Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We're your guides through sordid tales of movies, music, and pop culture. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis, so now's your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous. Please use responsibly, but do subscribe. And now your hosts, James Thomas and David Hawk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we do have very good edibles. Melody is right. <laughs> it is Friday night, and that means it's time for the Mile High Podcast. Uh, this week on the Mile High Podcast, we're going to do LGBTQ plus representation uh, in pop culture throughout the years. To join me on this discussion is my always partner, my buddy Dave. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's been a, a hot minute since we've seen each other. It has. We've all been doing our own thing, but we went through. Uh, we also have Melody, who I still try to call Nancy because we hit her identity for so long. I have to remind myself my own it's wife the hair. is not Nancy. It's, it's the hair. It throws you off. You're like, oh, blonde wig, Nancy. But it's not a wig. Right. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> one of my favorite people to have on the show, my Chef team. David, has returned to uh, us and represent chef how are you today doing excellent thank you so much for having me on guys this is gonna be a blast oh i think it's gonna be absolutely wonderful we are so happy to have you guys back um we are on february 19th we have made it through valentine's day uh the world is still locked down we're in 2021 so we figured let's keep doing everything by zoom because that's the only way that anything exists anymore and on this specific episode, we are going to be talking about LBGTQ representation throughout pop culture um, and what it meant to us and everything. But first, we've got to talk about what we're up to because we always talk about what we're up to. And I'm going to start with Chef David. Chef David, what's up new? What's exciting? Tell us, what, you, what have you been up to lately? Oh, my gosh. So I've been on a roll. I've been cussing out everybody all over town. I'm fighting with the Reed Ridge City Council on short-term rentals. I'm fighting with the city of Denver on permits and licenses. They waive the fees for um, restaurants this year because of the shutdown, right. but they forgot to add food trucks and caterers. So I've been operating at 0% and haven't gotten that. So I've been fighting at city councils and going crazy. So I'm back at city council on Monday in Reed Ridge and then Thursday, I have like an audition and I'm kind of weirded about it. Well, I, that is super exciting about an audition. Auditions I've always found fun. I've gone to quite a few of them myself. I, I just find them very enjoyable. And it sounds like other than that, you're just tying yourself up in like governmental red tape. You're, you're, you are <laughs> the representation of like small business America and what the hell uh, everybody's been put through over this past year. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've, I, I, you know, it, whether I hope all of this stuff goes through and it gets, and it gets added um, on, you know, I don't care if people know that it was me fighting because I don't have like the, the, the empth of the restaurant industry behind me. I'm just this one guy that's, you know, acting like a, you know, neighborhood uh, Mrs. Kravitz or a Karen, uh, you know, trying to get what I need done. But um, I have been fighting. I've been behind the scenes and I haven't really done many posts or anything, but we'll see how it goes. So, yeah. Hey, that's how change goes. And I know on your, you, Chef wrote us a great, uh, uh, like, list of what we need to go into tonight. And I know one of the things that you talk about is specifically the milk movie, specifically Harvey Milk. And 
part of the way that he got into uh, politics and did those kind of things is that he was that ca a camera owner uh, in San Francisco and he just did not feel he was being represented and the government was listening and helping him out. So he just fought and he just kept going forward. And it wasn't until they changed laws to allow the people in the district mm -hmm. to only vote for the people within the district that Harvey Milk got elected. So who knows? You may be down another path, Chef. You may be out there talking politics and saying, this is how small business needs to handle. There you uh, go. <laughs> small business to big business, who is uh, our buddy, the guy who works at, uh, uh, you know, that coffee place that everybody's heard of. How is big business going now, Dave? Uh, big worldwide corporation life is excellent as always. Uh, staying busy. Um, you know, I've been, uh, business for us is good. It's just, it's weird. Everything changes on a, a daily basis. Business just changes. But uh, uh, cool things about Starbucks is like, we're working with the CDC and uh, with Joe Biden administration to help streamline vaccines. Cause we have a, a really great distribution program for like all of our inventory and shit like that. Um, that's it. That's I, you know, I've been, I, work is work. You know, I, work been, work. that's what you do for fun, Dave, but tell us, I know something else happened. What else is new in your life, Dave? Uh, what released? Um, I don't. I dropped 15 pounds in the last month, so that's pretty oh. cool. Um, I think that's a big highlight or something. What about, was there, isn't there a book that we should all be oh, reading? Oh, yeah. Right Thank now? you. Thank you so much for reminding me. I nearly forgot. I haven't hawked that book on every single show that we've had on the Truckee Pacific <laughs> Network for the last two weeks. Uh, Caldera is now out uh, in paperback at Amazon.com. It's available on all your ebook platforms. Um, it's the, a what were to happen, a doomsday story of what were to happen if Yellowstone were to suddenly erupt and the worldwide catastrophe that would be. It, what's really weird is I wrote this like a year before the pandemic, uh, but the, our country's reaction to the COVID pandemic eerily matches what happens to the response to this uh, catastrophe is happening up at Yellowstone. It's a very uh, timely book, even though it was written before COVID times, but it's great. It's out now. Um, I actually, I wrote James. I, I like to do like little Easter eggs in my books. And uh, I named a character after James. He's a curmudgeon, uh, curmudgeonly old uh, fisherman who unfortunately meets an untimely end in Yellowstone Lake. Uh, but I, I, I gave a little love to Mr. James Thomas in uh, Caldera. Sounds like me to the T, Dave. Whenever you describe Caldera, I gotta be honest, because of so much pop culture in my head, reference mind always goes to 2012 as John Cusack is trying to escape and get on that plane right before like the volcano comes up. Because that's the most representation I've ever seen it in mainstream pop culture is the, the giant volcano was in 2012 movie, which was an all right movie. It was all right. Um, I went above and beyond making sure that the science was right. I went up to Yellowstone. I, I toured the place. I made sure that the locations match what's in the book. Um, but I read a bunch of articles, watched a, a bunch of documentaries about it. So I, as far as I can tell, unless I, I'm not a geologist, I'm just a, a science buff, uh, but I got the science as right as I possibly could. Like uh, I worked really hard to get the science right. So that's kind of one of the things I love. I love science and I like to get it right in books because I think science fiction takes too much liberty. In I, think it, I think it helps if you get the science right because a lot of people get driven into the sciences through science fiction. So the closer you can keep it to 
realistic science, the more it helps. Um, Mel, I know what you're doing, but so we don't have to double it up. Why don't you tell everybody what we've been doing lately? Um, we've been auctioning, buying auctions and picking shit up everywhere, driving all over to pick up storage stuff and sorting vintage clothes and going through all these cool boots and just all kinds of neat stuff. I don't know. Is that an accurate dis- description? No, no, we, we, or do you uh, want the one where we're at night pulling our hair out? Like, what have we done? Is this the right choice? All this shit in our house. Yeah, no. Um, we're, we're doing reselling. We have our eBay set up where we have just a shit ton. First of bells, the first auction unit that we got had just the crap, 150 like individual bells in there. So and you would think like we saw a thing. It's just an experience. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so you can check out Mountain Shore, uh, the Facebook page, which will tell you about the things we have up and link you to our yeah. eBay page. And if you really like clothes or purses, Mel, where can they go to find clothes and purses? B Sharp Boutique is my handle uh, on Poshmark. I, you know, I have a couple clothing items up on our eBay, but then I realized very quickly I wanted those two to be separate. So um, aside from like three dresses and some vintage Prince tour shorts uh, on eBay, everything else is going to be over at Poshmark. So that is B Sharp Boutique, just the letter B, Sharp Boutique. And the design of her uh, advertising has the sharp sign the sharp it will have a, sh- it's a little music reference for my, my music lovers out there. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, my wife has no middle name. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't have a middle name. My middle name is a note. It's not a real word. You're like Prince. <laughs> Just like Prince. What? You're like Prince. Yeah. yeah, my middle name's a symbol, basically. <laughs> so before we go into big things about who we're watching and everything, we're going to kind of do this... Uh, I'm going to take this one over about what are we smoking? Well, this time, kind of honoring Chef Dave, because uh, last time you come on, you ate edibles before. You always have edibles. So when it was a you episode, uh, we were like, well, we got to do an edibles episode. Because we realized last year, like, it was just us smoking weed all over again. We did dabs the week before or uh, the last show. So it's the edibles episode. So I will start up. Mal and I... We went to a store in Lyons. What was the name of the store, Mel? Lyons. Zen Golds. Zen Golds. So if you take 36, like you're going up to Estes Park, there's just this little shop on the yeah. side of the road. It's uh, right and- before a bright yellow art gallery. Like it's a tiny bright yellow cabin, but you can't miss it. It's right before that. Yeah, it's where it cuts off to go where you can go to Boulder or Estes Park as you're going up 36. Um, so we picked up gummies there. Uh, Zy Golds was pretty cool, yeah. Now, when we told him what we were doing, he, the gentleman there said, see, your camera works better at getting, oh, there it is. I got it right. You just got to hold it there for a second. Let it focus. So tell, tell these guys, it's small batch. Uh, tell it's, these guys what they told us. Okay. So the guy, we, we mentioned that we were doing a special on edibles and, you know, we've had um, some interesting information about marijuana in general come along and, so we were trying to be more open and not just get what's cheap. And he highly recommended these um, sous vide. Is that how they say that? Sous vide? Yeah. Right. Sous vide. Yeah, like your you. life, I think, in French, basically. Um, anyway, so they're a local Denver manufacturer. And um, what they do is they, they do it differently. During the process, in order to get the, the weed out, basically, and turn it into a food, they no, most places distill it. And in the distilling process, you learn, lose uh, terpenes, 
and cannabinoids. And then they have to reintroduce that into your food, your edibles after they've made it. So essentially they've come up with a new way to convert it into edibles without doing that. So these are like the natural terpenes and cannabinoids that would, that would come in the batch of marijuana that is actually being made from is my understanding. It's very sciencey. Um, but that was, it was cool. He just, he, and he was really excited about them and they do taste good. The other thing they do is they flavor everything based on the flavor of the strains that it's made out of. So like if they have something that's very orangey already, they're going to go with a citrus flavor on the type of gummies. They don't just make watermelon flavor out of anything. They make it out of strains that taste good with watermelon flavor. And that they put this specific batch in a sous vide. And so yes. what they do is they cook it and they emerge in hot water and, uh, a bag and they cooked this batch. So small batch like whiskey, I guess small batch gummies are right. Yes. It's indica. I'll tell you this. I don't love indicas. Indicas are not normally the way I go, but about 15 minutes after taking this, my whole body got super mellow. Mm -hmm. You know, not as much as that head high. And that's how I feel about edibles, but the body was just like, now be chill, especially after cleaning out storage units today. So that is what we're eating smoking uh chef what are you smoking and eating oh okay before i get into this i do have a question okay so like when you drink you're not supposed to like mix your alcohols like you shouldn't have vodka and you shouldn't have whiskey right, right. you get you sick. Pour wine and you're fine i think that's the same but when it comes to edibles i've noticed on my bottles that there's like different strains and they're named different things, like that's what this was made out of. So it, is it okay to like mix your strains? Yeah. I would assume so. Yes. I, I, not if, I mean, I, it depends. Like, are you talking about eating two different kinds of edibles from two different kinds of strains? Because if you don't take a lot of edibles, I wouldn't recommend eating two pieces right back to back. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not that's trying to be unsafe. I take, I take three. And I know that that's like what I'm good with. Yeah, everybody that's knows what it is. So, okay, but I think it's so let me tell you what I discovered. So when I went from one bottle to another bottle and it was different strains, I got a lot more higher by mixing them. Okay. So now what I do, because I know I do three, I do one of these, and this is like my favorite, it's the YLD uh, canna.com brand and they make Marion berry gummies. Like it, it tastes like pot de free. Okay. I don't, know <laughs> ever, I don't know if you've ever had that French, like delicious. It's like fruit roll up, but a gummy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And so then I, um, then I'll do one of these, the taste buds, which are also good. Those are I've had taste buds before. Yeah, those are good. And then not my favorite. I'd like to try these ones from Lions. As a matter of fact, I might even go up there no, tomorrow because I really want to check those out. These it's are great the drive. bananas. Yeah. Yeah. They have a good Well, you see, these are my least favorite gummy, but I mean I don't want to like talk trash. Are they a sponsor? <laughs> They're like the Haribo no. of gummies, of weed gummies. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. But if they want to be a sponsor, like, we'll be sure to use like that. <laughs> 
That was like when I pulled my uh, food truck up for breakfast at Frito-Lay and I did not know Frito-Lay was owned by Pepsi and I only drink Coke. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, they were like, do you have beverages? I said, no. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm eating. Those are my edibles. What are y'all doing, Dave? Yeah, Dave, what, what about you? Where are you on edibles? Oh, are you doing gummies too, or are you going yeah. off the grid with us? No, well, actually, I went to Lova, uh, our homegirl corny shop here on uh, on Quincy and uh, Tower, and uh, they said that these um, sweet sativa gummies, like. I, I pretty much just do gummies. Um, I don't really do like brownies or anything like that. I, I have a really bad story of eating an edible brownie that might come up later, but um, these gummies, um, <laughs> they said that you, they pack quite a punch and they're a little bit cheaper, you know, than the Wanda's. I, I have the Wanda's, I have the taste buds. So I wanted something different. Uh, the flavor is excellent on these, uh, but they're very slow to react. Like, you guys are saying like 15 minutes and you guys are feeling good. Like I took this at seven 30 and it's eight 21. Now I'm not really feeling anything. And on the back, it says the uh, intoxicating effects may be delayed up to four hours. So oh, I know, man. it's going to be fucking 11 o'clock at night and then fucking kick in. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't, I don't think those are better. I think they're cheaper for a reason. Right. Uh, but I, I had such well, a, a good time with the, the dabs the other week that uh, if the, the gummy doesn't kick in, man. I got my uh, fucking dab pin going on here. That's, that's hilarious. It'd be like eating those gummies before the movie. You're like, I'm going to get so high and I'm going to watch this movie. Then you watch the whole movie. You're like, what well, was an all right movie. And then you're fucking blade. Okay. So like an hour after. I literally other. have a story that matches that right there. So <laughs> this is when weed like really started coming up and you had to have the red card. They didn't have recreation all the time. And so I went to this place called the Ganja Gourmet, which is on Evans. Um, they were like half restaurant, half dispensary, and they were really cool. Got a brownie from them, and I went to go see Inception, which is this crazy mindfuck of a movie by Christopher Nolan. Um, that brownie kicked in about halfway through, and the rest of the movie is a blank. I did not remember it. I had to watch it again because that brownie just fucking kicked me right in the nuts. Nice. Right in the movie. I didn't remember it. It was so confusing. I, I imagine, yeah, Inception's not an easy one to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's a hard one to follow. Right? Yeah. And imagine having a fucking pot brownie on top of it. <laughs> it's very confusing. The first time we ever got Chris High, you know, the other co-host that shows up every once a year, first time we ever got Chris High, uh, we took him to see Star Trek, uh, the last one. So uh, Star Trek, the, the Picard one, where he had a son. And the Romulans. He talked the entire episode. The entire. <laughs> we're like, Chris, shut the fuck up. We're taking you to see movies. <laughs> oh, look what War's doing. I'm like, everybody's seen it. <laughs> the best edible mouth I ever had was uh, I, we, when we on our honeymoon, we went to Amsterdam and uh, they space had shakes. Shakes. space shakes were the shit. Oh no, my God. We're romantic. They were like healthy fruit smoothies with just weed in them, though, too. Yeah, Jeff, they were good. Jeff, what's your favorite edible? Have you had an amazing edible in your life? Me? Yeah. Um, my, f <laughs> my friend brought a chocolate bar to the Rockies game one time. 
And this was before I was like well-versed in edibles. And um, yeah, I had a blackout thing right there on the sidewalk. <laughs> like they did in Inception. Uh, I really liked the chocolate. Um, I just watched a show on Netflix and um, they were talking about, you know, how like in Amsterdam and different parts of the world, uh, you know, they've, they've been playing with this cannabis for a long time. And this, they did a whole segment in about it, uh, like this artisan dessert shop in Amsterdam that serves these amazing desserts. But my question is like, when I ate the chocolate bar, I should have just ate like a couple of pieces. Right. Right. <laughs> like, it's not like a whole Hershey bar. And eat a whole slice <laughs> of cake. <laughs> you know? Like, no, yeah. like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's great because it is. It's yeah, not like a Hershey's bar. And I have to remind myself just of that too. Like, oh, I'm only supposed to have this one tiny piece. That's right. why I generally don't mess with the chocolate because then you just keep eating it. it it's not right. You can't serve a fat kid a big old piece of cake and say you only get one. <laughs> right. No truer words have ever been spoken. Right. Oh my gosh. <sighs> uh, David or Dave. Uh, so that leads in well to what have we been watching? And so I know you, you're always watching something. I so, am. I'm surprised you put me at the, the beginning because I always take over the segment. I, I'm like three quarters, of, you know, a third of the show is me talking about shit I've watched. So yeah, that's what I figured. And chances are, maybe you watch something that the other three of us watched and we could be like, oh yeah, we watched that shit too. No, we I guarantee you watch the shit that watch. I watched. I guarantee you didn't watch <laughs> it. All right. So the first one is this, uh, it's on Hulu. It's a movie called In and of Itself. Um, it is half magic show and half one man show. It's uh, recorded on Broadway over like sixty something uh, different um, different uh, performances, um, and it's about a guy who was he was raised by a gay single mom, lived a very rough life, and this is his journey. Uh oh, I think I think uh, Melody's <laughs> having a tough time there. Oh, she muted herself. She knows how to work. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Muted herself oh. and everything like a professional. You were a professional. Uh, so, well, it just flew by until Dave pointed that shit out. But please continue. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, um, this guy had a really rough life, and he the biggest issue he had is like he doesn't know who he is, and so this is like his journey to figure out who he is. And he tells the story and it's not funny. I went in like magic is going to be hilarious and funny. Not funny. I mean, like you will be crying like multiple times throughout the course of this performance. Um, but it's just his journey on who he found out who he is. And then he does it like these crazy magic tricks where he like, he gets people from the audience and they, they pick random envelopes from this wall and they sit down and it's a, a letter written to them by somebody very important in their life and they will have specific details like remember when we used to get high like in the equipment shed i mean like and i mean it just like you start crying because these are all people who also don't really know who they are and so they're they're on this like journey and at the end you're like i don't know what the fuck i just watched but it was mesmerizing and it was absolutely incredible so what's it's it called, called again in and of itself it's on hulu so I guarantee you didn't watch that one. No. Uh, let's see. I no. saw Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max. Oh, good. I wanted to see that. Yeah, fantastic. It's a great movie. Um, 
Lakeith, uh, can't, I can't remember his name, but like, uh, Lakeith Sandfield, um, the guy who plays the informant. I mean, he does an unbelievable job because he's one, he's living this Black Panther lifestyle, but, and then he's also an FBI informant. So he does a great job balancing those. Um, and this is the last one. I know you guys didn't watch it. You guys probably don't listen to a lot of old school punk, but Gimme Danger, it, the documentary of Iggy Pop and the Stooges. If you're a music mm. fan, you got you should know who Iggy Pop and the Stooges are because heavy metal, punk rock, all that stuff is derived from Iggy Pop. So it's mm-hmm. great. I have like five more things here, but I think I'm going long. So I'll leave those for another day. All right. We'll, 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 put, it over. we'll put it over to Chef David. Chef Dave, what, uh, what are you watching? Anything exciting? So I just finished season four of The Crown. And oh, I, yes. I know I'm like behind the, the times a little bit, but I just loved it so, so much. And I think that Gillian Anderson is just a brilliant actress. And if she doesn't win an Emmy for her portrayal of Margaret Thatcher, I'm going to be so pissed because yes. it was so good. Yeah. And, you know, she totally transforms herself or maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't know. But I did not realize that she also plays the mother in sex education. And she was the chick from the X-Files. Yeah. Like, really? Well, that I knew. And now she's yeah. a blonde lady, an old bag. I mean, she's everything. <laughs> no, she really, very, some, often I agree because actors, sometimes when you watch them, you're like, that's a good person doing the performance of this. When I watched that, it wasn't Gillian Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, if you wouldn't have told me, if I wouldn't have known ahead of time and paid attention to who it was, I wouldn't have made that association right. because it was just so believable the way she played it out. Yeah, that's a, that's a show Mel turns on and I just pretend like I don't care, but I end up watching. I've watched all of them. Because it's a great show. It's a great show. Oh, I love uh, it. I love I'm it. jealous. I wish I still had more to watch. I'm waiting. <laughs> People Enjoy. Watch that's exciting. Do you have a long list like Dave? No, that's all I've been watching. I, no, I've been I re- busy fighting city councils. I, you know Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, Mel, what have we been watching? Um, well, WandaVision. Yeah. So good. And um, the, another show, but I almost want to save it for the main meat of the topic. No, I know which one you're going to talk about. It'll lead us into what we're going to do next. Okay, so to lead us in, I've James and I have been watching um, a short series called Lady in the Dale. And it is a fascinating story about a person who just, well, long story short, this woman comes up uh, in LA in, in the 70s during the gas crisis and says, um, there's this three-wheeled car design that my company, we can make these and it gets 75 miles to the gallon. And like, I mean, it really gets people's hopes up. And then it, it turns out to kind of, I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's all very gray area, possibly scamish. And she ends up on the lamb. And then it turns out she's trans. And so then the news really focuses on that because you got to remember it's the 70s. And, and so they really focus on this, like, you know, implying that it, it, it means she's dishonest in other ways and you can't trust her. And they refuse to refer to her as her. And um, so it's a, a conflicting story because she's definitely the bad guy in some ways, but she's also the victim of a really f- messed up system. And then the weirdest part, can I tell them about the I newscaster? Know, they have to watch it. Be, that, okay. that's, the, that's the most exciting part. So yes. you should watch it. It's a four part series on uh, HBO Max. It's, it's literally just a story of Liz and she 
came out and she said, I'm going to take on the big three. I'm going to make a car that drives on three wheels. And it's going to save, like Mel said, a whole bunch of money on gas and everything. Uh, she took a lot of money in. She had some prototypes. She was working, but it's really hard. If you saw the movie Tucker, you understand that it's really hard to go against big automotive things. Yes. Uh, and Liz also be and the fact that Liz was trans in 1970 for the kind of popula popularity that she got uh, and notoriety. She was a tough chick. And it is weird to look throughout the decades of even people who talked in the 1970s and 80s to even people who talk today who in the 1970s and 80s were respectful and they were like she she there were those who said he but still you get to today you get a lot more people referring to her as she but you still get the he so it's it's fascinating it's and even when people did say he i think it was more because they they truly didn't know anything about it yet it wasn't just to hurt somebody's feelings there are people who use their their um gender assigned pronouns just to hurt your feelings now. And I don't think that was it for most people yet then. That I think that was a different tone in to some our, ways. Not that it was better. To our main subject, we also watched the Britney thing. Fuck Britney Spears' dad, free Britney. Free Britney. Free Britney. Free Britney. Um, and uh, we also started watching the Cecil Hotel oh, Netflix. That good. Yes. That was very good. That is great. We'll get watch, back to you on that one. Yeah. For those who watch... Uh, Buffy and Angel. That's the hotel concept that Angel was set in. Also, Josh Wheaton's about to get knocked out from a Me Too movement and uh, culture. So that's all that. But let's go into what we're really here to talk about. And it's LBGTQ uh, representation in pop culture. I'm still going to follow Dave uh, Dave's outline. And then we're going to go into what Chef wrote uh, a little bit. So the next thing, uh, Dave's outline. Sorry, I wasn't prepared. Um, so representation has come a long way in the last few decades. Actually, that's a perfectly good lead-in for Chef, what Chef David uh, was writing. Do you want me to read it and kind of lead it down and work from there, or do you want to kind of do it? Well, I mean, I I just had kind of created a timeline. And okay. I don't think I don't think every single line on here is important. Good. But um, I mean, because it's just a lot, and I, it's going to get boring going through a lot of this. Right. But um, what was the question again? I was like, well, I, I, I was wondering if you wanted to go through and point out your big things on it. I'll, I'll just take the lead. So. Um, yeah, literally what Chef David did, he, he, he was great. He went through and put a lot of hot pop culture moments. And there's some things that really stuck out to me that I knew that I really want to deal with. And one of the early ones, one of the first things that you put in here was about 1966. And that's the introduction of John Waters and uh, Divine. And they're teaming up and like representation in a way that Divine was never played up as a bad character. You know what I mean? Like, if her character was bad, it was because that's who she was, not because she was trans. Um, right. And so, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, starting in the beginning, the representation. What do you think of early representations? The Divines, uh, the John Waters films. To be kind of honest, when Dave proposed the idea of this show to me, this is kind of like what um 
like kind of freaked me out. And I even texted him a few weeks back and I was like, how far back do you want us to go? Because I mean, back in Shakespearean days, you know, women weren't allowed in the theater. So guys dressed up in drag, but it wasn't to portray gay or to portray femininity or compete with masculinity. It's just women weren't allowed to act, you know? So (laughs) to be honest, I was like, how far do you go back? But um, definitely, uh, I think that that was great. Yeah, with Divine and John Waters, because yeah. it is something that's actually very rare in the entire list that I uh, created on kind of how this all went. Um, pretty much when 1980s rolls around, uh, you know, Um, and uh, Reagan was in his presidency, you know, there was a different pandemic going on at that time. Right. And so that at that time, and it's actually still going on today, although, Mm -hmm. you know, medicines have gotten better. And of course, we're talking about the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Um, And I just kind of was piecing together some parallels between that pandemic and today's pandemic, you know, you know, uh, with how it was kind of handled, you know, in, in June of 1981, the U.S. Center of Disease Control um, uh, declared HIV and AIDS a pandemic, but it wasn't until four years later in 1985 that Reagan even first mentioned, mentions it um, in, a, in a speech or even in passing. It's, you know, it, it was like un, unacknowledged, kind of similar to the way, you know, COVID has been uh, well, or was kind of flippantly brushed off right. by the prior administration. And therefore, you know, it was just kind of like left up for the states to figure out. And now everybody has their own ideas and plans and there's nothing cohesive about it. Yeah, the difference I would think is that the difference I feel to a certain degree and to be kind of honest about it is I think AIDS early on, um, the disregarding of it and the not real dealing with it came from such a more hateful place mm-hmm. than uh, the beginning of COVID did. The beginning of COVID mm-hmm. came from incompetence and they're just, or indifference. Indifference and incompetence is what screwed up COVID. AIDS, there was an active thing that, there was a group of people that said, if this is a gay plague, like they were, they, like it was being sold out that it was, they were okay with it. They, 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 there was a community in this country that was okay letting this play take out uh, gay people. And I think that's the difference between COVID and AIDS was in the very beginning of AIDS, if we're honest about how our country was, it didn't affect people who had the power. You know what I mean? And I've lost family to AIDS. I know Mel's lost family to AIDS. I mean, this is, but it wasn't until it came in. Nancy Reagan is the one who got Ronald to do it because their Hollywood friends, you know, Rock Hudson and everybody, it was coming too much to a forefront and she couldn't hide from it anymore. And it wasn't a gay play. But what the catalyst was, and I don't know if you guys remember this, there was this kid named Alex White and he got AIDS from a blood transfusion. He was Mm -hmm. from a straight family. He was a straight kid. And 
that is when people recognize that this is not just in the gay community, that this is something that can proliferate. And that's what really started bringing attention down. He was with Liz Taylor. That kid was with Michael Jackson. I mean, he was with the biggest stars, but this, this is a disease that had been um, proliferating through San Francisco specifically for many years up to that point. And it wasn't until this kid who had nothing to do with the gay community got it that people are like, this is a serious issue. So even like there was little things, like you said, Rock Hudson, and it wasn't until this kid got sick that everybody really started paying attention to the AIDS pandemic. Right. And I think people who don't, if you ever question when you hear, like my kids grew up in a different time, you know what I mean? They were born after 2000. So while there's still been a lot of fight for equality, the earlier fights that were needed to be, that were being done, aren't the same fights. And so they're not used to, when you try to explain to how it was in the 80s and the 90s and everything, I don't think they 100% get it because much more inclusive, much more welcoming in like, at least in the world that we live in. You know what I mean? Because it's the way that we uh, represent. Let's talk about our <laughs> I know this got real deep all of a sudden. I was like, wow. I want to, I want to give a quick shout out to my parents because uh, I grew up in a household. Well, first of all, they're a main sponsor at my my house. But that's not why I want to shout out. Uh, I grew up, um, my aunt's brother has been in a committed gay relationship for, you know, decades. And he was the first gay person I knew. And my parents introduced me and he, they're not like, this is our, gay friend you know it was just like he's a part of the family and we never knew any difference so when i grew up um being around uh gay folks like it was never any any different to me than like you or dw who's an african-american like uh, my parents you know raised me to be like you know everybody is the same and to treat everybody the same so i want to give a huge shout out because this is like the 80s when it's still kind of like hush hush and uh, kind of verboten but uh, my parents really raised me right. So shout out to them. Part of the reason we did, shout out to Dave's parents. Part of the reason that we felt like it was hush-hush and foreboding is because much like a lot of other things, there wasn't representation. So it was you would, everything that you knew about everything else uh, you would get from pop culture or what they talked about, there wasn't positive gay stories. There was a positive gay representation in uh, pop culture generally. And so Maybe it was all hush hush, but everybody I knew growing up knew someone who's gay. And, you know, so the question is as representation came out, things did start turning around. What can you think of, of the first character that you were like, this is a, a positive or negative gay character on, uh, on popular, through popular culture? I'll go first. To me, it was soap, it was Billy, Billy Crystal. Crystal's character in the soap. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Um, he was early seasons. He, he was kind of obsessed with getting a sex change and the, and the community really came out and they were like, listen, we don't like that the way that character is going. So he rolled it back and uh, he was just uh, they didn't play his gay for laughs. They did play him dressing and drag and wanting a sex change for laughs a lot. But just the aspect of having a real relationship with somebody, they didn't really play that for laughs. And so that's the first representation of a gay character. Um, Chef David, what about you? Where can you think of first 
when you first saw pop culture, you're like, that character's gay. And it and then it was it a good representation or a bad one? Like honestly, He Man. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like I would like watch it. We're the monster, the universe, or whatever. All this, like you know, always like riding Skeletor and everything. I mean, come on. Right. There was he was He Man, <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, like. Like for me personally, like He Man. Yeah, I, I know that's fair. Mel, I know you're gonna have to jump out here for a second. Yeah, family stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Maybe you'll make it back in, but if not, okay. why don't you tell us the first representation that you saw in, in pop culture? Where did you first fill up? Well, this is a, I have a, um I grew up in, in Oakland, which is right across the bridge from San Francisco in the eighties. So um, I think I recognize things in pop culture maybe earlier. Cause like, I mean, I don't mean just like I live near San Francisco and I knew a few gay people. My mom performed at gay bars. My dad DJed at gay um, nightclub events. Um, my mom's friend would borrow my dresses for their shows. So I like, um, I grew up with them. So I think I picked up on things earlier and sometimes that was good. Because sometimes I felt like, oh, that was clearly a nod where, where a creator clearly was giving a nod. You know what I mean? And then there were other times where there was there was just clearly like just gay stereotype after gay stereotype. And then I think Dave mentioned like the first gay character in Golden Girls, even though for the most part they were progressive about the whole issue. It was the chef, the cook, and he was never seen again. And they never talked about it. They never even talked about it in the show, per se, on the episode or two that he was in. You know, so like there was that, but then there was some good stuff in there too, where I knew it was like, that was for them. You know, I don't know if that makes Blanche's sense. Brother. Blanche's brother is uh, gay and they had two episodes. And they got married in her house. Um, her brother and his, you know, spouse, they got married in her house after she really struggled with what to do. And Dorothy's brother, um, Sophia's youngest son was a, they always called him a cross-dresser and they never went much further into detail. So there, there was something there too, but she's, you know, she was very accepting of it for the time. I'd say I always have to qualify it with for the time. <laughs> like, you know, she was like, so what? I love my son. And that was good ultimately. But um, yeah. I think eighties was the decade of the stereotype. And then it's like you had the just a you know gay friend and they're very flamboyant and they cross dress or whatever. I think it's very very much a stereotype. Uh, but when you get into nineties, you start they just start becoming a part of the story, a normal part of the story. And the show that reminds me uh, and that really um, stood out to me was My So Called Life with Claire Danes on MTV. Um, mm -hmm. Her best friend was a gay kid, and it, it, it wasn't like the gay best friend who was just their friend and he just happened to be gay. And this is in like nineties. And with that, you know, you start getting um, just like, you know, they're real stronger, much stronger characters, not nearly to where we are today. But I mean, like when you are in the nineties, you have movies like Philadelphia, you have um, shows like my so-called life, uh, Ellen, you know, you start, they start to be yeah. more prevalent in the 90s and they're not just being stereotyped. They're actually given some depth to their characters. Yeah. 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 I think one of my favorites, one other one, I have to give a shout out before I go. Sorry, the L word. 
Um, that was a great series. And um, it showed in a, in a different way, like there were several lesbian characters, obviously, because that was kind of the main point of it. And I mean, some of it was a little bit meh, but like each character had their own different personalities and quirks and different kinds of depth and different, you know, issues and stories. And, and in that way, like they were represented as just people. And up until then, let's face it, like lesbians were either something that, you know, conservatives were very scared of or like straight men just kind of objectify. So um, I think the L word did a good job of showing that there's many different types of women because many different types of people. Hashtag Ginny. Hashtag team Jenny. Jenny's the greatest character in I'm L a psychology major, so I'm not going to dog a mentally ill person on the internet. <laughs> Jenny, then Shane. This is where that goes. No. So. All right, you guys, I have to run out. I'm so sorry. I promised my son I'd do something. There was a misunderstanding about the time. I will try to catch up at the end. All right. Drive safe. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Just in case. Bye. If I can close it. Not all right, boys. So it's us. So right. I, I definitely feel, and we're just gonna have kind of an open conversation because there's some really good notes in there. Like you said, designing women, they planned what was it, the first a funeral, right? right. They did the funeral, and then Suzanne thought uh, there was another episode I remember uh, where Suzanne, one of her former uh, somebody that she competed with, she found out was a lesbian, and uh, she felt oh my God, I, I don't know how I can handle dealing with this woman. And then more than, and more than anything else, when Suzanne kind of confronted her and she said that she didn't want Suzanne, the response was kind of like, well, why the hell not? I'm a, you know, I was, <laughs> they played that for laughs. You know, it was the same thing on Golden Girls when the lesbian liked Rose and Blanche is like, what are you talking about? Why, why aren't you going out, you know? after me that's kind of how they played acceptance and i think they really used lesbians to like kind of bridge you know kind of slowly bringing people in because like dudes are nasty you know and like lesbians are all lesbians are a lot more acceptable so they you start having the like the lesbian kiss on roseanne and like i said ellen coming out like that stuff is, it was very controversial, but it's still a lot more acceptable. I, I mean, like people are flipping out because there's a, a gay boy kissing, you know, two gay boys kissing on a Disney movie. I mean, and the people are still flipping out about that, but like a couple lesbian girls, like, that's yeah, okay. I remember Melrose Place, another teenager in high school, was the first time that two guys had kissed on primetime television. And it was one of those things that I watched Melrose Place and I watched 90210. I, I grew up in a time where that was fun things to watch. And so the most fascinating thing about it is everybody was freaking out. They talked about it for weeks ahead of time on Entertainment Weekly and all that shit. And I just watched it. And to me, I was like, the only, the only reason it was weird was because it's not something you see on television. You know what I mean? That was the only thing that was different about it. I'm like, okay, this is just not something that you'd seen on television before, you'd had implied relationships. I'd watch somebody got married on Rock. You know, there was a gay marriage. I think Rock had the first gay marriage on television, the one with uh, the show about the guy, guy who was a garbage man. Rock, R-O-C. 
No, no, you remember no. it. No, I don't know. There <laughs> we don't know, but I'm listening. I'm there with you. <laughs> so there's a guy, and I got to be honest, a lot of my knowledge is because I watch a lot of pop culture. There's a guy called Matt Boombay, uh, and I'll put a link to him under our page. He does a YouTube channel, and it goes through uh, rep gay representation in pop culture. He does a video about a whole bunch of stuff. So he's definitely worthwhile watching. And I mean, to your point, you know, up until like even, I mean, 80s, and I would even, you know, um, say into the 90s where, you know, the gays were like the butt of the joke and all of that kind of thing. And I mean, I don't know if it's just for me speaking or if this really happened like pop culture wide, but I really think the break happened when we went from being a joke to being portrayed as real people right. was, was after the death of Matthew Shepard. Um, I, th I think that a uh, relatively realistic time frame for right around that area is when it would have happened and, and we would see that movement into it. It's the time of Will and Grace when it came out. It, it was it really was this representation and it made it made hate real. That's what the death of Matthew, that's what I remember yeah, more than anything else. It, it, there was one thing being gay was a secret. I knew a lot. I was in theater. I knew a lot of gay people who would never say they were gay. You know what I mean? Um, it was a secret. It was this and those said mean things. Matthew Shepard, I think, made the hate real and in that point it made uh it made gay have to be real to the people that were just sitting on the sidelines i think it's a lot like uh black life matters last year all the white people who were finally watching the tv and watching uh you know people get shot you know black people get shot and choked and just killed by cops and they said this is enough i think matthew shepherd made the hate real and they're like you know what these are real people and I may not agree with them. And that's what, it, that's how I think it started. I may not agree with them, but they are real people. And then after Matthew Shepard, you're right. The representation on TV and in pop culture got so much better for every Jack on Will and Grace, you got a Will, you know what I mean? Will is the straightest. I mean, Chandler's gayer than Will realistically, if you look how they act between two different shows, but yeah, but then they always threw in Jack. And I think, I've been watching gay characters for years and I have to admit Shit's Creek and the David character mm. is, is the best representation. I think we moved to a new genre with that character because you spend that whole first season going, Oh, well, he's eccentric and he's in this little town and these people are idiots. And but no, it, there's none of that. There's no confusion. In fact, he, you know, he hooks up with that guy from the town. It is just very, David is the first character that I saw that they're like, being gay is just who he is. And he's, it's not at all part of his story. You know and, what I mean? The relationships were normal. It's and not. And the people from Schitt's Creek, they don't, they don't, judge him. They don't judge him. Yeah. I think he's the change. I think you're right. I think Matthew Shepard and about that time, and everything, it was, a, it was a cycle of a lot of things going strong. Clinton would have been president in that time. And he was vocally supportive, but he wasn't legislatively supportive 
And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that was really, I think you're right. I think that's when you started to see that shift. And you start seeing the shift to, when do you think you start seeing the shift to gay marriage? Because gay acceptance came way before people got okay with gay marriage. Because that wasn't the first hurdle. And that's what people always forget, is that the first hurdle we, was we had to acknowledge that gay people existed. Right. And that they were just normal people like everyone else. So we, Matthew Shepard gets us there. They're normal people. Will and Grace pops on. Ellen's out there. We got, we're like, all right, gay people are normal people. And they're like, we want to get married. And they're like, I mean, you're normal and everything, but a a marriage, when do you think that changed? Or has it truly, I think I, I see the acceptance changing, but where do you feel in pop culture? When was the time where people were like, okay, now we're all okay with gay marriage? I think it grew over time, but I don't think it was honestly until Obama, you know, came out in favor for it. And I mean, that was like 2012. I mean, he ran his re-election campaign and stuff on it. And I just remembered a character that I forgot. And I wasn't sure if I should have included him in my list or not. What was the name of that character on MASH? that dressed up and acted gay because he wanted to get out of the war. Do you remember this? Yeah, Klinger. He wasn't really, but he was like always dressing up in friggin' couture. Remember this? Yeah, Klinger. His name was Klinger. Okay, there you go. I forgot him on the list. Was that gay representation or was that bullshit? I think think it's the bullshit category. (laughs) I think think he was an ultimate cross-dresser, but he he was very, the character, the actor... Or the character was a very straight person, but he—I think he was a crossdresser, which is another part. Like we go into details that people don't talk about. He's a straight man, but he—I think to a point he loved those dresses. After a while, after a while, you knew you weren't going to get sent home, so now you were just wearing, wearing it to feel pretty. My son he, <laughs> he doesn't believe clothes have have gender. My oldest son, he's got some bomb ass dresses, and he's like, "No, nah, man." He's like, "I just why did, why would a clothes have gender?" And I was like, no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Where did gay marriage, when did, I think it was a slow roll. I think Matthew, there wasn't a Matthew Shepard for gay marriage. I think, I think Obama was catching up to us, quite honestly. I think Obama went in, I think, listen, I think Democrats in the 1990s, I think the early, the, the, the Clintons and everybody else, they would have been perfectly fine and happy to do it in the 1990s. I, I try to tell people this all the time. I think that as, I think the country as a whole had to move. You know what I mean? And I think we actually got to gay marriage quicker than our legislation got to gay marriage. You know, to, to 2012, uh, Obama, Bush could have done it. You know what I mean? And, and, and gotten support. You know, Obama could have done it in his first, administration but it was a slow roll to get there and do you do you feel like it's still an issue anymore i don't really hear it coming up in the same way do you think this is something that are we in a good place with gay marriage and just general is the representation of david on schitt's creek the experience nowadays honestly i think that it depends the answer to that question depends on what part of the country you live in. I got it. That's absolutely true. 
because like my Carl's family is in the South and I know they're not watching this right now, but uh, (laughs) they like really hurt him because they won't accept our relationship. And Mm. we've been married for 15 years. And so like we're renewing our vows in August and uh, we've invited them to come and I don't even know if they will. They just, they will not acknowledge. And uh, I mean, what do you say to that, you know? Right. So I, I definitely think the answer to that question is depending on, you know, like where you live in the country. But, you know, I will tell you what pisses me off, okay? That I have to tell people, like, I hope we can get to a point at some point where it's like, I don't have to tell you I'm gay. Like, I'm David. Like, why does that right. other matter? Right. You know, so that's what always, like, 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 did I never understood, like, Ellen's on the cover of, like, Newsweek when she comes out. And this, and I'm like, why do we have to be on the front page of the paper? Like, guess what, mommy? I love Dick. Like, really? <laughs> Like, it's ridiculous. And I'll tell you what the second thing that pisses me off. Before there was gay marriage and all this whatever, you know, and it was Hickenlooper at the time. He was the governor. They signed into law these civil unions. Mm. Well, we weren't allowed to get married. Carl plays hockey. We went up to Canada. We got married. Bada bing, bada boom. He played a game. I got a ring and we came home, you know. But then years later, you know, they're introducing this civil unions where, well, you know, sure, go ahead. You can file your taxes as if you're married because the IRS is going to go ahead and, and and still take your money. But right. like, where you're not technically married, it's just a civil union. And I was like, do we get our own drinking fountains and cafes too? You know what I mean? Right. So I never got a civil union, never, never agreed with them, never liked them, nothing. Um, we went up to Canada and got married. So those are the two things that pissed me off about being gay. I got to tell you. And at one time there were civil unions. I mean, what the fuck? I feel like what a, what a slap in the face. Well, both ends of that should be insulted. Listen, if I am a conservative Christian and you're like, well, you can say you're in a civil union in a relationship to get, to get all the tax breaks and everything then I'm pissed because they're still acknowledging that relationship. It, it wasn't fair to either side of that spectrum. Either nothing or let people get married. You're going to have to piss off one side because they were like, you can get married, but don't tell anybody you're married because these people vote for us. And the sad you thing... You know is, what I'm saying? The sad thing is they were right, is that those people were voting for them. We, I really feel like the people who have these voices really learned them in the past decade. You know what I mean? People were voting for those jackasses that would knock down marriage every chance they got. And part of them still believes there's a chance to take it away. You know what I mean? It drives people still. And that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's been a weird thing to watch. It's been the civil, maybe this isn't the right thing, but I think it's been the civil rights thing that we, it's the human rights things that I've watched growing up. Everything that I've seen in my personal life, it, that has been the most in my face struggle from the AIDS epidemic, from the watching representation for just equal rights and, and love is love and people understanding relationships. And I think you see that nowadays with, uh, with people growing their acceptance of all different kinds of blended families and polyamorous relationships. And just, I think 
finally we we've learned to accept like people are people and you don't control who you love you don't choose any of these things you know it's just who you are so that was my deep thing um where do we go from like, here where where do we go from here i'm gonna look at one of your questions dave let's see let's see what you have for a question I do have one issue with like current LGBT TV. What's that? And, like, um, like, well, well, a few things actually. You know, I used to love RuPaul's Drag Race, and now it has become like a cesspool of hate. You know, like after a girl gets sent home, like these 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 poor drag queens, they are trolled online, called every name in the book, threatened to kill this that or whatever. You know, I mean, leave that bitch alone. She's an artist. You know, that's what pisses me. It's like it's like the our own community attacks these queens, and I'm like, girl, like you can't be doing this. So for that sake, I think they should cancel that show because I'm tired of the hatred. But I do love the queens, so you know I'm torn. Uh, I the next thing, she was great on. Did you see what she did Saturday Night Live? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it when the library was open and she read all those books. Yeah. Harriet the Spock. Girl, back. <laughs> that was the best. Um, but my second issue with, uh, you know, queer TV is all these damn makeover shows. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, RuPaul's Drag You, We're Here, another drag makeover show with Eureka, Bob the Drag Queen, and was it Juju B? I don't know who the third queen was. <laughs> Someone watching may know. But you know, the, you know, instead of having fun and doing what drag, drag queens do, what do they do? They send them to like Main Street USA, okay? And then they like pick some like, I don't know, tragic looking person and make them over. And, you know, that's not what drag queens do. Like, drag queens put on a show. They're funny. Like, they right. ain't going to do your makeup. Like, you ain't Tammy Faye Baker. You know? Take a seat. So, I don't like these gay makeover shows. You know what I'm saying? I don't like... Uh, what was that first thing I don't like? Do you remember? Uh, you don't like... Uh... Damn, I had a response to it, too. We had a whole conversation RuPaul. about it. It was RuPaul. What? RuPaul. 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 RuPaul oh yeah, that he should cancel that show. Those gummies must be really good. These queens be hateful. That's what it was. That's what it was. So, um, yeah. So where do we go from here? Did you read the question? Yeah, no, that yeah. <laughs> it's so, on the outline. Um, I think here's the thing. I want to queer eye for the straight guy. I got to be honest. I was amazed when it first came out. I like it now. You know what I mean? It, 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 what made that show good is they is the people they always had on there. You know what I mean? And when it first came out, 2000, uh, what would that be? That would have been like 2000. That up, but yeah. Like two. Yeah, yeah. It was it was different for right. that time, you know? And I did learn a lot of shit from watching that show. I was like, I, it's been my excuse to tell Melody for years that I could put the bed on the ground because Ted was like, or whichever one did the uh, uh, interior design, like, fine, sometimes you had to put the bed on the ground to give it more space. So I'm like, no, don't put it on a frame. Just put it on the box screen on the ground. I saw it on Queer Eye. It's okay. You know, and that was my way of like getting what I wanted to see. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, but I think you misunderstood. 
I very well may have. I very well may Box have. spring on the floor, no. Sorry. Take it's it from artistic. this queen, okay? No, 2001, no. maybe? Maybe it was hip in 2001. That was the style. Right? Early. That is, no, I that call was, BS. I don't think they ever just said put the That was like at the tailor end of the waterbeds, and they're going from the waterbeds to the box spring straight on the floor. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, I had a waterbed. Me too. I also man. had a waterbed. That's cool. <laughs> I miss yeah. waterbeds. I don't know I why. Hate I hate waterbeds. I, I don't know why they're not a thing. Like, considering how many people grew up, you know, around our ages grew up with waterbeds and somebody that you just, I don't want. I've been into places that have waterbeds for very different reasons nowadays. And those are the only places that have waterbeds anymore. Uh, so, no, I don't man. know. I just, I hate waterbeds because, like, you, like, if you like laid on the waterbed with another person, if someone was bigger, they'd pop the other <laughs> the other person up. If you like roll too hard, they pop them off the bed. You get holes in the bed; they start leaking all over the fucking place. I don't know. They're too loud. You like move around, just like. Right. Memory foam, much better. I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, um, we're gonna get to a wrapping up point, but I do want to ask because you do put it in representation maybe not complete rappers and uh, wrapping up uh, representation where do you think it's been the strongest in your lifetime has it been in movies has it been through music or has it been through television and not generally for you just what do you think the most positive era area for representation uh, has been in your lifetime has it been through movies music or television oh television definitely for me anyway I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, like what Dave said, you know, with my so-called life and different shows like that, it was the first time, like, I saw people that were just like me and I knew that I wasn't weird or alone, you know? And so, and, and for the first time, I wasn't like a joke. I wasn't like something to be ashamed of. I was like a legit character or, you know what I'm saying? Like I was... I was just like them, you know? So, I mean, like, Queer as Folk, that was huge, you know? Uh, I think it changed TV. And um, I definitely think that, you know, as I tracked all of these, you know, firsts and kind of created a timeline that, like, if a show was on ABC and it was gay, it was more positive than if it were on... NBC and the same kind of thing Showtime was always like the first to be nice to gays where HBO was still using them as like the butt of the joke you know I think it's like season three of Sex and the City on HBO and they're still making fun of you know stereotypical like you know tranny prostitutes on the yes. corner you know yeah. it wasn't like until Stanford was like more of a main character or Anthony, you know, that it, and that didn't really even come until the movie. You know what right. I mean? Right. And even, and even before that, they were, because didn't, uh, who was it that had the, re, the lesbian relationship? And she never treated it like a real relationship. The Kim, Kim Cartel, Cartel character. Right. Okay. He never treated like the real relationship. And I actually don't think that their the representation of the two gay male characters was great. Exactly. Really until the you know what I mean? And they were like, they'll just marry each other because 
hey, there's two gay guys. They can just get married to each other. Right. Um, Very HBO. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it talks about empowering women, but H- Jackson City was not empowering to women or gay people or any. It's kitschy and fun and it has really cool clothes, but that's not what it sold itself out as. Dave, what about you? Where do you think that the most representation that you felt seeing growing up? Music, television, movies? I would say music more than anything. Um, especially now that I am going back and just like learning the history of the music that I love and seeing the roots from it. Um, like massive David Bowie fan. And he was very androgynous in like the mid 70s, um, blurring the lines of gender. You had um, this band called the Screamers, which was a punk band made of transvestites. It's um, their, um, uh, or it's a drag show. And they were based off of um, Delights. They're a spinoff of Delights show. Um, you look at um, Elton John and Freddie Mercury. They are the, the biggest singers in the world are open about who they are and their sexuality. And that's bringing people along. I think music set the tone for gay representation in pop culture, followed, I would say, by TVs, movie, I would say commercials at the very end. Um, but I definitely think music in the first and foremost um, really sparred the change. I can see that it's because what well, that made that's because they were they're real people, but for a long time they played them off as uh, extreme. You know what I mean? Because they're musicians. And it's just what a musician does. Um, what I'll do is I'll do something completely different than you guys. Because Chef, you did TV. Dave, you did music. I'm going to go movies. Um, uh, and only be, I'm actually going to go one movie. I'm going to go. Du Wong Fu! Thanks for everything, Julie Dumar! Yeah! A wonderful movie. Oh, you missed the one that really brings people. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert! Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh! Yeah, I mean, okay, he, good one, good one. That is a good one. To me, the to the nineteen or to the seventeen-year-old who'd seen Rocky Horror Picture Show numerous times on uh, Fox Thirty-One when they would play it uh, around Halloween for doing my senior experience of going to Rocky Horror Picture Show in full drag. Uh, for the first time at the Esquire Theater, it was amazing. It showed that there was, it, it took two different things for me because there was a community around it too. The great thing is my buddy, our buddy, Dave and I's friend, uh, Tony, um, he also, our senior year, went in drag with me, dressed as Frankenfurter. And we got all the way there and he was like, I really... Uh, He's like, I, I really need to change when I get home. I, I don't mind the drag, but these underwear are uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, Tony, I'm wearing my I'm own underwear. And he's like, oh, no, no. I just grabbed some of my mom's underwear, and I've been wearing it for the whole show. Oh, no! So, uh, uh, Rocky Horror is really that I've taken, and I, I've exposed numerous people to Rocky Horror. I took a whole set of, like, 13 virgins there accidentally on pride weekend like i went there i took them down there and i was i i, to, I was standing outside i'm like there are a lot of people here to see rocky horror 
tonight at midnight. What a strange time to go oh here. God, and it was packed. And it was the first time they were there. And they all got up on stage on versions and they're like, we know it's a very special weekend. I'm looking around like, what the hell is going on here? Why are there so many people? And I'm like, oh, it's Pride weekend. And none of my friends knew. They were like 22. You know, they, they had no ideas. <laughs> my friend Stacy and her cousin were like super, like they were super attractive. And I told them like, Rocky or just dress kind of slutty or like, you know, things like that. So they really slutted it up together and they refused to not believe that they were lesbians. They were like, if your family while they were taking care of the virgin virgins go over here if you're not family go over there and i'm sitting in the audience and i'm like i i can't tell them what that means they're gonna have to figure out that it's pride weekend and when they say family if you're gay you need to be over here because they're gonna do much crazier shit that you would be comfortable with for your virgin sacrifice then but yeah rocky horror rocky horror is the general acceptance wonderful songs it tells a good story it's a it's a it's a whole story of acceptance I, rocky horror is for me what starts every everybody else going okay frankenfurter is not that bad of a guy you know what i mean rocky's a pretty good guy the arguments they made in that movie is uh mel made it to the, beach. the beach that's where she left she left snowy colorado and went to the beach don't worry i didn't use public planes i took my private jet so right. socially distanced we got invited by the cruises to come down to Mexico. Yeah, I don't know why it was such a great They're deal. the only people there. Yeah, we the cruises were like, hey, we're taking our daughters to Mexico. Would you like to join us in Cancun? And we said, <laughs> of course. And then fucking uh, they left. So Ted had something to do. So Mel, you came for the wrap up. Oh, what did I miss? Well, I tell you before. Well, no, we, we all said... Where do you feel like the best representation in your life growing up where you saw, was it through music? Was it through movies or was it through television? We all picked something different. It was through music, but it was because my parents band played in gay bars. So through music, I got to know the gay community in a very personal way. So for me, like specific songs just make me think of people, you know, and it was a, it was a great experience. Excellent. Excellent. Yay. Um, so, Dave, while I pull something up, why don't you tell us what to look forward to on Truckee Pacific, and I'm going to round uh, everything up. Santori will do a show this week. The other two guys were just busy. So. All right. Well, on the next couple of weeks on uh, the Truckee Pacific network of shows, uh, next Friday we have a James's Games. Uh, that's going to be another YouTube live show instead of Facebook live. Uh, hope, this is my official invitation, David. I would, would love to have you on James's Games, uh, our little game show that we have. You're, I would love to have you on. Uh, okay. No pressure, you know, being on live TV or anything. Um, then after that, on the 20, so that's the 26th. And then we have a quick hits after that. Um, we're, I don't have no, I have no idea what we're talking about. But the, the next episode of the Mile High podcast that we have um, is going to be on March 12th. And it's going to have Amanda Chip, my, my singer cousin extraordinaire. She's coming on and we're going to be talking the, our favorite concerts of all time. And so that's a, uh, you know, hopefully Mel will be on with us because we're talking our favorite concerts of all time with Amanda Chip, who's been to some amazing concerts. So we're looking forward to that. 
If she can, if she can stay transparent. If I can stay, yeah, she's, stay? yeah. she's getting pulled away. Um, getting pulled away by the hex. Calling me. <laughs> um, Chef David, I thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us. Thank you for this. I'm actually going to put your quote. I was going to read it, but I'm really high right now. Yeah. I'm going to put your quote as a post on our page. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. So I think that was a really good quote that you shared at the end of this. Uh, and I'll put this information on. There's a lot of good information. I'll also share the link to that in Mabu Bay. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Say, we can see you at the, uh, you said, uh, at the city council meetings nowadays. Which city council <laughs> meetings? Is there something that you want to promote as far as that someplace where we can go to show support? Anything right. we can sign? <clears throat> anything we can post afterwards? Oh, as far as city council, no. I, I think I'm public enemy number one down there. There, uh, Reed Ridge and Denver, by the way. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm the owner of Scratch Catering Services. We are still in business, um, but uh, there just isn't any business. Does that make even any sense? Um, but uh, we are here. We're still catering. And um, thanks for having me on. You guys are awesome. Thank you. We love having you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so Dave, do you have any other plugs? Do you want to make a plug about, you want to tell us about uh, the volcano book again? Yeah. Caldera, where can we find it? Yes. So once again, my book about the Doomsday book about, about uh, Yellowstone, Caldera, is now available on Amazon in paperback. It said that you can get it in library binding. I don't know what that means. It sounds fancy. <laughs> um, so if you want to get it and pay an extra couple bucks for library binding, that's pretty cool too. Um, yeah, it's, I'm very excited. It's a great book. It's available now on all your ebook platforms and in paperback on Amazon. My mom was lovely enough to actually post the uh, link in our comments. And so just follow that. And it's I 10 bucks, dude. It's fine. It's the $10 book and it's fun to read. Come on, dude. Just go and buy the book. Just go buy the book. Oh my God, Dave. Did you see the conversation between on Betsy's page, your mom's page? This woman was going to make chili for th for Valentine's Day. I was like, that's not sexy. Like, no one's ever like, let's get it on after chili. Or talk about Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? So I called her out on it or whatever, but like, Hope I didn't embarrass your mom. <laughs> no, my, my parents love you, David. My parents absolutely love you. My, I, I love I, all my family loves you. Like, we, you know, David and I used to work together for a while. Um, and my family just fell in love with David and uh, watched him grow into Chef David um, of the Martha Stewart show and of the White House decorating. I mean, of the, you know, cooking show. He has a cookbook out. Promote your cookbook. Fuck me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, it's titled From Scratch by David Vonderchuk. That's with an A-R, not an E-R. Available exclusively on Amazon.com. <laughs> well done, sir. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's an encyclopedia on how to cook. It's amazing. So <laughs> it's it's a huge proud of you. Book. <laughs> James loves cookbooks. We, yeah, I do love cookbooks, so I will have to, I will have to pick that up. We don't have any books to promote that we wrote, but I am selling a lot of used books on Amazon <laughs> through Mount Shore. You guys are like and Storage Bell. Wars, Denver. I swear, I'm listening to these stories, and you guys are like Storage Wars. Do you fight for other people they're, they're, with they're your they're our Storage Wars, bro? Online. Yeah. I mean, it's an online, online version right of now, it, but yeah. But we, 
And people like talk shit to you. You're like, why are you pushing at the price of a unit? No, we just yell that at each other. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what's that idiot doing? I'm like, why are you doing that so early? It's got five more days. So. Hey, David, do you need some bells? Because they they have a lot of oh bells that they can give you. What does that even mean? Like little, like a bell bells. collection? Ding, 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 ding. Bells. Bells. It has to go off. Okay, right? our room's a mess right now. How many like really loud ones are there? I don't know. We probably have like 50. Those are like recess bells, like from back in the day. Da ding, da ding, da ding, da ding. Vintage. I mean, we have to we have to post them all at once. Like we've been doing one at a time because we're trying to price them fair. But now I realize, you know what? We just want to get them out there to the collectors who love them. So we're gonna just start posting them more quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, so just list this shit on eBay. Of, of bells. Yeah. So go check out Mountain Shore on Facebook. Uh, that'll have all that information. Also. Here we go to the Truckee Pacific plugs. Go to www.truckeepacific.com to find out all your information. I have to get on that website, and I will link all of these guys' books, including Chef David's book and Awaiting to Mountain Shore. Dave? Uh, the link for David's uh, cookbook, my mom posted in the comments as well. So follow that link and get David's uh, cookbook. Betsy is on it. He's on it. And at that point, we would like to do a shout out to our sponsors, Paul and Betsy Hawkins and Bonnie Murphy. Thank you for being sponsors and allowing yeah. you to promote the best sponsors out there. I'm running out of family, though. Please. Yes. I need more than my family to sponsor Truckee Pacific. For the love of God. I think God. we're going to make a commercial of that. Like, hi, I'm Dave. And I'm running out of family to sponsor the things that I do or be guest on my show. Do you so have family that you can share with me? That can sponsor guests. I, I need Sarah McLaughlin to like start singing a song for us. Right. She'll get us donations. Oh my God. Um, if you want to reach us, you can reach us at the mile high podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to give us money because David's running out of family, <laughs> uh, you can Vimbo that at, at Truckee Pacific 303. That's at Truckee Pacific 303. And we're all over Facebook. Watch uh, watch the Mile High Podcast. Buy these guys' books. Check out the Santori program. We got a lot of shit going on. Follow us and you will be entertained. Uh, Mel, Chef, Dave, I'm all glad to see you. I hope you can all show up for James's game next week. Everybody else, have a good evening. We are out. Be good to each other. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.